G'day and welcome to the Hunting Connection Podcast. My name is Zach Williams and I am your host. Here we'll connect you with hunters, fishers and outdoor enthusiasts from around the globe. This podcast will share hunting and fishing stories including past experiences and tackle the tough hunting stereotypes our community faces. We hope to be a positive influence to those outside the community while also having a laugh along the way. Hope you enjoy the podcast. G'day and welcome back to another episode. On today's episode, we are joined by Spiro and Hunters, Dave Schofield and daughter Dakota. Welcome. Thank you very much for having us, Zach. Not a problem. Hi. (laughs) So we'll get straight into it. Where are you guys from? Uh, We're on the Fleurio Peninsula. We live at Mount Compass. Yep. Nice, beautiful area, good bakery. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few good bakeries there. No, it is a, a nice, nice small town. Um, good, com- good country feel, and yeah, um, yeah, we we love it up there. We're on a on a small acreage, and um, yeah, wouldn't want to live anywhere else. To be yeah, it's you. it's it's a beautiful spot, that's for sure. Um, how old are you guys? Uh, I'm 36. 36. Yeah, wow. You don't look it, man. Yeah, uh, thanks, mate. <laughs> it's all that ocean water. And what about you, Dakota? I'm 12. 12? Nice. Uh, so what do you do for work, Dave? Uh, yeah, so I, um, I'm a commercial diver. Yep. Um, I, I do a little bit of commercial, construct, construct, commercial construction diving, um, a little bit of marine construction with a, with a local marine construction company um, in Adelaide. And, uh, and yeah, but my mainstay is commercial diving, um, uh, I'm a commercial abalone diver, both okay. in Victoria yep. and and South, and I deco um, work deck on an abalone boat in in South Australia as well. Yeah, wow. So has has that yeah, a pretty risky job or pretty? Yeah, it's uh, it, it gets viewed as, it gets viewed as a risky job, and I guess it is. Um, there's there's plenty of stuff that can can go wrong. Um, fortunately, in in this day and age, if you if you do, you know, follow the right protocols and and you know. There's a lot of cowboys out there that, yeah. that you know probably take more risks on than the need to be done. Um, I'm with my commercial diving training background. I'm probably a little bit, little bit more wary um, and, and aware of the risks than some people. So um, hopefully that holds me in in good stead to at least control the controllables, basically. Yep. No, that that's good. Can't, and can't control things like sharks and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, you, you definitely can't. That. Um, yeah, that's just part of the territory. Yeah. I'd, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I've, <laughs> I've I've just got that, you know. I've gone spearfishing a couple of times, and I've just got that picture. You know, every shadow that goes and goes overhead, a cloud goes behind the sun. Yeah, you, you definitely have your, you have your good days and your bad days. Some days you you know it's just like any office job, I guess. You you some days you just love being in the water, yeah. and other days if it's a bit dirty, a bit rough, lots of seals around, or you're diving a sketchy spot. Yeah, you know, you're constantly looking over your shoulder. And it's in the back of your mind the whole day, and suppose. Suppose the most dangerous part of it would be going to and fro, yeah, you know, driving and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, it's more you know the risks, risks like gear malfunction, yeah. that sort of stuff is probably more on the forefront of my mind rather than rather than um, you know any marine animals. Yeah, but, um, yeah. <laughs> luckily, luckily, I'm still here and um, hopefully can enjoy a long career out of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Dakota, you're at school. Yeah. Yep. What year are you in? Uh, year seven. Year seven, nice, nice. So that's first year of high school yes. then? Yep. Awesome, awesome. So Dave, how did you get into hunting and spearfishing in the outdoors, man? 
Um, sort of the the spear fishing probably came first and foremost. There, I, I don't have any any hunting background in my family. Yeah. Um, but my my granddad and and my dad were both into spear fishing and and fishing. Um, so the fishing and that came came first and foremost. Um, you used to go away a lot to York Peninsula as a as a family fishing and and. I was just always obsessed from a young age yeah. with with my dad's spear guns and all that sort of stuff. So it was a it was just a bit of a natural progression from fishing that I that I took up spear fishing, um, and yeah, just just loved it. And so your dad was right into spear fishing or just fishing? He was more so into fishing. Yeah. He, he did he dabbled in spear fishing. My my granddad, my mum's dad, did more spear fishing. Uh-huh. He lived over in Western Australia for a long time. Yeah. Where spear fishing gets got you know, got done a bit more back then. Um, and yeah, I you know started started spear fishing probably when I was about twelve. Yeah, and started getting seriously into it around twenty. Yeah, um, that's when I sort of joined a club and started started actually mingling with people that actually knew what they were doing and started learning the right way of doing it. And um, yeah, went from there. Yeah, awesome. And hunting was a it, the more you hang out with with fishers and spear fishers and divers, you know. Generally, they're also into hunting and they're into the same sort of scene. Exactly. So, you know, it, the, the more people I met through the spearfishing, I I gradually started going, oh, hunting seems cool, might get into that too, and, and yeah. Yeah, it's um, crazy how much it, like, just coexists with each other and, um, you know, the amount of mutual friends we, we had and I, yeah. I didn't even know who you were until... Two months ago, and, and and it's like that Australia wide. <laughs> it's just amazing. You you go and go and catch up with people at dive comps, and they're like, oh, you know, after the comp, we're going out for a, you know, going out for a deer hunt or whatever. You yeah. want to come along, like you, if you're in the spearfishing hunting scene, yeah, you chances are you, you there's a very short degree of separation between people that you. Yeah, know, exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. So, give us a brief run through your spearfishing setup. Um, you know, just your gun, your dive gear, and then your hunting hunting setup. What rifle you run? And yep. Um, so with my spear fishing, generally in South Australia, I'll use a um, a ninety centimeter Pranger gun. Um, you know, single sixteen mil rubber. Pretty pretty basic sort yep. of setups. It's a lot of you know small bread and butter species here in SA. Your whiting, flathead, um, you know, salmon, squid snook all that sort of stuff so you know your 90 centimeter praying gun is is your perfect sort of setup that i find for south australia um you know five mil wetsuit pretty good for for year-round diving here you know can be a little bit warm in summer a little bit cold in winter but yeah i can imagine (laughs) yeah if you only have one suit five mils are probably the way to go down here um yeah just just nothing nothing really i don't really run anything particularly out of the ordinary, you, got, you know, always just make sure I take a float. Um, you know, good pair of fins if you can afford carbon fiber. Yeah. I love love a good pair of carbon fiber fins. They're the they're the things that propel you all, all day. So yeah. um, I would I would recommend spending money on on as good as you can afford in the fins department. Um, yeah, and mask and snorkel. I use a use a Technisub, an Aqualung Technisub mask. Um, with a with an Omer Zoom snorkel, uh, they're the same same mask and snorkel I've used for fifteen years and just love them. I've yeah, tried, awesome. tried many different types and sizes and shapes and so it's kind of one of those things you find a brand and you stick to it. Yeah, always go back and and the good thing about them is you know the, 
people I take out because I've got I, bu- I buy bulk in them. Um, so the people I take out, it's hard to often get a mask and and snorkel that will be comfortable yeah. for many different shape sizes and all that um, face sizes and shapes and all that sort of stuff. So um, whereas this mask and snorkel, I give it to Dakota, it fits her. I yeah. give it to my partner, it fits her. I give it to you know. It doesn't really matter what what your face is like. It just it just fits. So I'd highly recommend checking the checking those masks. Yeah, awesome. Those out. Yeah, that's one of those things you just get down the rabbit holes. You know, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> you you walk into a dive shop and it's just like, wow, where do I even start here? And you go around and try every single one on. But yeah, yeah that's, that's one reason I've stayed away from spear fishing just because I know that. If I get into it, I'll get into it. And between hunting and fishing and camping and then family, I just don't have the time. You around this room, mate. I reckon you got enough going on. <laughs> so, what about rifle setup and that your hunting setup? What what do you use for you know medium large game? Yeah, um, so two seventy would be my go to for for you know goats, fallow deer, yeah, anything that requires a little bit more. I'll, I'll I'll pick up the 270 every time. I, I trust it. I love it. It's a ticker. It's a great um, great rifle. Yeah. I've, got, I've got a 270 and a um, Rem 700, so... Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yep. Great rifle. Yeah, I have shot Rem 700s, and, yeah, they're nice, nice guns. Yeah. What ticker? Uh, it's a ticker. Crikey, it was a while ago that I bought it. It's a synthetic stainless, yep. I believe. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice, yep. yeah. Beautiful light gun. Um are you running running anything special in the bino department or backpack uh, and yeah i as far as binos I, I did a reasonable amount of research and i end up getting a crack i might have to come back to that um oh, it's left my mind now what what brand of binos that i'm using i'll I'll come back to it because i will think of it um but I would, I would highly recommend them. I, I've tr- I tried a heap and, and wasn't real happy with any of them and then read a few online reviews of these ones and, and picked them up. and Mid-range market, top of the yeah, market. Yeah, they are about 450 yep. so they so weren't... maybe Vortex? No, uh. no, they weren't one of the common ones. They were... Um, uh, uh, I were recommended by a bird-watching crew. Yeah, um, well. So... Yep, I can't. Uh, it's all, think, it's all can't good. Think of the there's brand there's that many. Head. I should have should have been more prepared nah. for that question. But <laughs> nah, it's all good. And what about Dakota? What do you use when you're out? You're out um, spear fishing with Dad, and well, I've only ever used Dad's gun, and I don't have a clue what gun that is. <laughs> That's pretty lucky. And then I just use a spear gun, like a Pranger one. Yeah, I think it's a ninety centimeter two, but it has the two strings, which is easier to pull for a kid. To get it loaded. Awesome. We, we found that um, with a 16 mil rubber with Dakota, she couldn't she couldn't load it. So when it was a time for her to get her own gun, yep. uh, she we we spoke to um, Paul from Torelli and and he hooked her up with a basically a bit of a custom gun, basically with slightly longer 14 mil rubbers instead of 16 mil rubbers, and it basically shoots exactly the same as my gun, but super easy to load for for Dakota with a with a smaller yep. arms. Yeah. Awesome. So normally I'd turn this into like a top beginner tip. What would be a tip for getting, like being a parent, getting your kids involved and your family involved? What would you recommend? Um, it's a, that's a really good question. And it's a, for both hunting and spearfishing, I would probably put them in a similar sort of um, realm. Um, as far as... 
it, initially when they're really young, just don't overcomplicate it. Make sure they have fun. Yeah. Just keep it really simple. As soon as they're as soon as they're a bit ratty or, or not enjoying it anymore, just call it a day. Don't be selfish about it. It's really easy as a hunter to get your froth on and go, Oh, I know if we're I know if we just walk over that next gully we'll see something yeah. and it'll be really cool, but probably really cool more so for you than what it would be for them. Like if they're over it, they're over it. A hundred percent. Don't push the point. Just make sure they're having fun. Like when I first started getting Dakota into spear fishing, for example, it, obviously I didn't throw in the water the first time <laughs> with a spear gun and go, go, you know, go for it. Um, yeah. Take her out in really good conditions, crystal clear, took a, Take, take them somewhere where there's lots of fish, like the bottom of Port Nalunga Jetty under yeah. the stairs there. There's plenty of sea sweep and little trevally and cool. lots of reef fish there. Go there in good conditions. Just put a mask and snorkel on and, and look at the fish um, and then take it from there. And if you go to the pool, put a mask and get them used to putting the mask and snorkel and breathing on through and, and it, breathing yeah. through it because it's a, it is something that actually doesn't come that naturally to a lot of people. No, um, um, I look pretty... Pretty much like a beach whale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and a lot of people you know, just can't get their head around having their mouth underwater and breathing, and it, 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 it's interesting. So, yeah, for, for kids, just, just get, them, get them snorkeling, take it slow. In the first instance in the ocean, take them somewhere fishy, clear, in good conditions, yeah. and, and they'll love it. And don't, don't push the point. Just let them take it at their own pace and and that's that's what we've done with dakota and it's it's been really rewarding seeing seeing her journey so how old were you was dakota when you started taking her out uh hunting wise like just going out whistling for foxes and and going for walks and stuff like that she was probably about five or six i would say um and spearfishing probably a couple of years after that she was probably seven or eight you know by the time she was first sort of I think she shot her first fish when she was eight that's awesome so you know she was snorkeling and and you know for a couple of years before that so Dakota do you actually remember going out and spearing your first fish being so young yes I do actually remember but I can't remember my actual fish because what happened was we were swimming out in the water and there was like this big reef section and I was holding my spear gun out but dad was right behind me and holding onto the gun with me and dad was gonna tell me when to shoot and then so I was aiming my gun out like just pointing it in some random direction and then dad was like oh shoot your gun and I was like why there's no fish and then he's just like shoot it and then I shot my gun and then there was a fish on the end, <laughs> but it was so camouflaged in with the seaweed that I couldn't see it until I'd shot it. <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's that's a that's a good first story remembering back to it. <laughs> yeah, one of those one of those moments where you could you could you can see everything going on and they can't quite can't yeah. quite work out what's what's happening, but yeah. No, I've I've had the same thing out hunting. I'm like, there it is over there and it's like where? I can't I can't see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it, was, it was good. A proud dad moment for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. She did go on to see a fish herself and she yeah. was the second fish that she actually saw as well that day. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what would your top beginner tips be? Um, I'll let Dakota answer this and then I'll expand from there. No worries. Um, 
My top beginner tip for hunting would to always be quiet because I get told off a lot for talking in the middle when there's goats up on the hill or deer close. Yeah, I've been there. I've been, yeah. I've been that kid. I remember going out with my pop, you know, five, six to eight, you know, walking along and seeing a mob of goats. Pop, there's a mob of goats there. Next minute, goats are all gone. <laughs> And then my one for spearfishing would be to never chase the fish because I tend to sometimes chase the fish and then I just lose it and I get really sad. But then mum's like, you chased the fish. And I was like, I know, but I just wanted to get it. But it just still doesn't work. That's awesome. Yeah, pretty pretty classic um, beginner tips there and, and something that nearly everyone does. It doesn't matter whether you're a kid or an adult. When you first go spearfishing... You nearly always chase the fish, and yeah, I reckon I, I reckon I did the same. The, yeah. the only time I've been out, I was just lucky enough. I come across a stupid enough flathead that just stayed laying there and yeah. allowed me to spear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fish are fish are inherently curious, so yeah. usually if you, um, I think Liam said it on your podcast recently. You know, usually if you're calm and patient and hit the bottom and stay in one spot, lay there, the fish will come to you. Yeah, there's, there's no need to be chasing them it's pretty threatening for, yeah. for a fish having a having a six foot dude bearing down on them with a spear gun outstretched so yeah watching the um the meat eater spearing episodes recently with Kim, kimmy warner um just watching them like you know flick up the sand and that to get the fish's interest and yeah. you know just the glistening off the sand makes yeah. them come in and yeah that was yeah. pretty cool i didn't didn't really think of that and you know? and 100 percent a tactic that we use yeah. quite often here you know lay on the sand throw sand up scratch scratch rocks together yeah. stuff like that like you're on a little bit of reef pick up a pebble and scratch the rock and watch watch the fish react to it like they straight away will turn and go oh well it's gone on over there i'll go and have a look so <laughs> yeah it's pretty pretty That's... interesting little little tactics um what else was there um what was the question again? Beginner tips. Yeah, for, just beginner tips to get into. Yeah, uh, hunting wise, I guess wind is always a always a pretty big one that, that probably is underestimated um, in in the first instance. Um, always always keep the wind in your favour. Um, and interestingly, in spearfishing, keeping the sun in your favour can be yep. can be something as well. You know, t- depending on the direction of your sun. And, and the way you can approach the fish. So, do you want dishes. the sun behind you or in front of you? Or it's a that's a really tricky question to answer, and it depends on so many variables. And, yeah. and the it's it's something that I wouldn't be able to say definitively one way or the other because it would depend on variables. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, the best the best thing you can do, I think, for either sport is time in the water, time in the water, or time in the bush. Um, the best training you can do for spear fishing is spear fishing, and I think yeah. probably the best training you can do for hunting is is hunting. Exactly. Um, so yeah, often people are like, oh, I need to increase my breath hold, or what sort of you know, what sort of training can I do at home, and so on and so forth. And while all that stuff's helpful, um, absolutely nothing beats just just going out there and, and doing it, spending time in the water. Exactly. That's what that's what fast tracked it for me. I went out. I, I had a really keen mate when I was um, in my early twenties and. We would just be out three, four times a week sometimes before work, after work, like two times on the weekend and just, just lived it for, you know, 
five, six, seven years. I forget how long it was now, but it... I was exactly the same with hunting. And if I wasn't hunting, I was fishing with a rod and reel, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that would be that would be my top tip. Time, time doing it. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a bit about um, golf skin divers. Yeah, um, golf skin divers... Uh, I started it in 2018. Yeah. Um, it was originally there was a there was a small club in South Australia called Freedive Extreme. Um, when I first got into it, I think they formed around 2005. Um, there was many clubs back in the 80s and 90s, yeah. um, but they sort of dissolved towards the late 90s. And then Freedive Extreme started around the mid 2000s. Ran a fairly fairly small, close knit club for um, for about seven or eight years um and i was involved in that and that was where i met a lot of the people that i'm I'm still really good mates with today so i got to experience the um the benefit of a club scene um even though it was very small and it went quiet on the scene for about five years and and there was murmurs of that sa needed a club but i didn't want to didn't want to half-ass it either i wanted to make sure if i was going to do it and invest my time into it and i wanted to do it properly and make sure it it actually worked um so i I basically just just bided my time until the time was right and and in 2018 i I figured that i had the time and the and the scene was ready for it and and we started golf skin divers and it it's just you know boomed ever since it's been it's been a really rewarding journey for for myself um and for my whole family really watching the watching the club grow and the and the um you know the, the culture that we're trying to promote um by being um ethical hunters or ethical spearfishers um that was sort of paramount to me starting the club was that it needed to be done in the right way and needed to promote the right sort of culture yeah um and and I'm I'm really proud to be able to say that we I think we've done that and the yeah, I've the been seeing a few articles of of late just before I had Liam on um the um the metro, the two metro spots opened up, and yeah. I screenshotted that and sent that. I'm like, "Oh, do you want to talk about this?" He's like, "Yeah, that's that's Dave. You know, he's is he's a top bloke. He's been doing lots of work towards that." And yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's been it's been a hugely rewarding experience, and and we've through the club, we've and the and the support of the people within the club, um, we've really managed in the last few years to be able to legitimise spear fishing. Um, we're we're recognised on on government councils. That's awesome. We're, we're being invited to um, recreational fishing yeah. events and and stuff like that now. Whereas that, when that never really used to happen in the past, it was sort of a bit of an outcast sort of activity. You're in the on the dark side if yeah. you weren't spear fishing. But um, through through a bit of education and and stuff like that, we've been able to um, really legitimise it. And, and that's what it seems to take. Even with like fishing in South Australia, it's it's you know it's coming a long way there's lots of people behind the scenes doing lots of great things and pushing for the right things that we need you know know, there's a few people behind the scenes trying to push for fishing licenses to improve and what what are your thoughts on fishing licenses for say like spear fishing as well as normal recreational yeah i'm I'm a big believer that spear fishing should be just classed as another form of recreational fishing. I don't think there should be licenses. Yeah, I, I, I definitely don't think there should be a separate. Yeah. I, I think it should all be included. If you have a fishing license, you fish rod and reel fish, you know. Yeah, personally, um, I'm not against a fishing license. I think, uh, like, I do do a lot of fishing interstate um, in Victoria. I obviously work in Victoria, um, and I do a lot of recreational fishing every year in New South Wales as well. Um, 
and they're both states with recreational fishing licenses. And I do see the benefits that that you know there's they, neither of those states have a perfect model either. There yeah. is flaws in their systems, but I do see the facilities they've got there. You know, free boat free boat launching. Yeah. Filleting tables at every boat ramp. Bins. Good, yep, good bins, like fish um, fish waste bins as well, where you can, they're, they're composting the fish yep. waste and stuff like that. Um, you know, we haven't got any of that stuff going no. on in South Australia. So you do go to different states that have got recreational fishing licenses, even though some of the people there complain about them too. You, you do see the, the difference and the benefit from it. So I'm, you know, in that light, I, I am pro a fishing license, but it has to be. Um, has to be implemented properly and it, it would be an extremely difficult line to walk, which I think is why um, the government sort of shied away from it. It, it, would be a, it would be a hard one to do, but if it, if it was done properly and done in a, in a transparent way where the 100% of the funds, you know, hard to say 100% of the funds because there's always going to be administrative costs. There's yeah. always going to be some costs, so it's, it is a difficult one, but... As transparent as possible, and where as much of the funds as possible go straight back into recreational fishing. Yeah, exactly. Even if it's yeah. as well as fisheries, you know, it it makes more jobs. You know, it gives you know all the building the infrastructure. You know, yeah. better boat ramps, bins, yeah. shelters, filling tables, all of that stuff. It goes back into it. You know. Yeah. So if it a, goes back into it, in a, in a perfect as long as it yeah. goes back into it, and that's where the stumbling block is. You know, you do you do see a lot of costs in other states absorbed. So yeah, it's it's a difficult one, and and I'm, I'm a fan of it if it was done properly. But and a lot of the other states it. do a lot more stocking with with it. You know, exactly too, right. where it'd be quite beneficial for it to exactly right. Yeah, you know, yeah. Re- artificial reefs and stuff like that, which would be perfect for you guys as well. For you sure. know. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'd be a big fan of more artificial reefs to dive off of. And yeah, definitely. Fish yeah. off of. Yeah, yeah. So, was there anything else about golf skin divers you'd like to cover? Yeah, we got a bit sidetracked a bit there, didn't we? <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's it's just it's a it's a great club with with you know we we promote a really um, positive family culture. We try to I try to Yaz, Yaz and my partner Yaz and Dakota come down to our events. Um, other other guys bring their partners yeah. and, and we try to actively encourage them to bring partners and kids to to the social days. So are you guys base somewhere or you just kind of meet up? Yeah, pick up like this. We're not we're not really we haven't really got club rooms yeah. or, or a base as such, but it's just um, we try to run events every month, whether it's you know beach cleanups yeah. or seafood cookups or spearfishing competitions we do run a couple of different sort of spearfishing competitions during the year yeah liam was saying he gets involved you know a couple couple on ki you do every now and again yeah yeah we run run one on ki and then we run one on yorks which liam usually organizes and recently recently ran it um just a few weeks ago over over at point riley on york peninsula one of one of our super selective species competitions um yeah i've seen seen the uh the stats go up and the scoreboards go up yeah yeah he's done lots of great photos yeah he's done a really good job the last couple of years running it so that's um that's a that's a great thing to see guys taking the reins and and again you know it's nurturing an experience here that it's not an easy thing to run a an event where you're getting 30 40 50 people in one place and you're running it properly and safely and communicating with people in the lead up so it's the, the whole club scene it's imparting skills onto even the people organizing the event such as Liam like he probably didn't have any I don't think he did have any experience yeah. in running events prior to this and through the club 
He's, he's that's awesome. Doing a fantastic job the last couple of years with so the Yorks Classic. How many people are involved in golf skin divers? Uh, we have a core group of about half a dozen um, guys who sort of do the intricate yep. organising behind the scenes. Um, we've got about a hundred members. Yeah, wow. Active members um, that are financial, and to any event, we we get some you know anywhere up to sort of fifty. 50 people to an event, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes less. It just, just sort of depends on the event and people's availability. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we like to sort of change it up a little bit, not be all about the competitions and where we are, where we do do competitions. Try to do it a little bit differently um, to, to tradi- tra- traditional comps. And yep. uh, yeah, but do do other fun stuff that that in. Like boat dives, lots of guys haven't had the opportunity to dive from boats yep. before, so try to do a boat dive each year and do a beach clean up. Try to you know do that stewardship thing and show that we're we're not just about going out and and you know a lot of misconceptions about you know spearos just go is. out and shoot everything they see, which is just yeah. completely not true. I actually um, screenshotted an article I s- that popped up in my news feed the other day. I am um, pretty sure. You commented on it, and yeah. that's why it's popped up in my. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've had to be a little bit active on the um, <laughs> on the old socials and newspaper recently. It's yeah, um, yeah, nearly. Yeah, <laughs> where to go? It was one of the um, activist groups that weren't too happy with the couple metro beaches open. Um, it's yeah, it's just it's it's like hunting, just people not understanding and yeah um it was the banned spear fishing article in the paper that popped up the other day with the um the marine life society uh, um, yeah, yeah. talking out about it and yeah yeah so you know these these guys that just there's nothing wrong I, i've got nothing against the marine life society or anything like that and i've had i've had discussions with them in the past about things and and you know that they the views of these these articles, um, such as the one you just, the letter to the editor you just mentioned, you know, it's a very old school um, pattern of thinking yeah. that actually isn't relevant today. Yeah. So it, it it's it's one of those things where it's just all about education. You've just got to just keep on saying, you know, that this is this is how it is now. It's not. So do you think they're against it for more of a safety thing or just because they, they think you're going out and shooting all the fish that... I think it's a little bit of both. I think there's... I probably underestimated the the community perspective on safety Yeah. because in my mind a spear gun is an extremely safe tool. Yeah. Um, but to people that have never seen one get used... I can sort of understand yeah. how they their way of thinking might be that it's not safe. So, and that's something that I underestimated just just purely from having an understanding of it. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, there's definitely, um, there there is definitely a perspective of you know the marine life concern as well, which which comes down to ed- us as a spear fishing club ensuring that we educate people on the on you know. Spearfishing does allow you to. So, if you take a fish like a, um, you know, I'm going to talk about a fish that's very unpopular for a spearfisher to take, and that's let's say a blue devil, for example. Yep. It's a fish that's not very often um, seen by many people. Doesn't get caught on bait or, or fishing a lot. Um, but 
it's a like a highly valuable fish to a scuba diver. Okay, yeah. On a on a shallow inshore reef, there. Yeah, I, I can't personally picture it. Beautiful but, yeah. iridescent blue fish that live in caves. Yeah. Um, and I've seen it pop up numerous times that, that spear fishes are gonna are gonna you know destroy the local population of blue devil fish and it's just it, it's, it's just not true spearfishes yeah. just aren't going to target blue devil fish yeah. for one and two as, as a club we would actively condemn like if yeah. somebody came in with a blue devil i'd be the first one that's going over yeah. there going like while it's while it's not illegal like it's not you know there's no regulations as far as fisheries go on on blue devils in south australia it's not something you is it's it something you would eat is it well they are edible yeah. you can eat them are they just reasonably small or yeah they're, just, they're, they're often not yeah. a not a large fish yeah. but but you know they're, they're they're a high value fish for scuba divers yeah. and and just so it's it's one of those things that you just got to constantly constantly educate people at not just the spearfishers themselves, but educate the public, the, the public, and, yeah. and the and the people that do enjoy going yeah. out there and just snorkeling. That's that's fine and and a, a great activity for them to be doing. But the ocean needs to be enjoyed and shared by by everyone. Exactly, and it's the same same thing with hunting. It's just education, educating the public. You know, I do a lot of bow fishing, so. You know, I'm not sure how familiar you are with bow fishing. Um, in South Australia, you can only bow fish in the backwaters of the Murray River, yeah. which it's something I would like to eventually try and get changed. I would love to be able to do some saltwater bow fishing. You know, sure. go go on a tuna charter and try and get into a school of tuna and yeah, um, you know, burly up and try and shoot something like that. But even you know, I'm not sure. Have you eaten ray before stingray? I, I have. Yeah. yeah. So in New South Wales, Queensland, New South Wales I think has changed recently, but Queensland and Northern Territory, you can go bow fishing for sharks and rays, and yep. it's pretty much in those those states it's spear fishing laws. So pretty much everywhere you can spear fish, you can bow fish. Yeah, um, which would be great if we could yep. incorporate that here too. But yeah. you know, um, I've got a spot down in up up in Murray Bridge that I used to hit up. I've I've been fishing it for five years you know a beautiful little backwater bit there's a main road next to it and across the road there's some houses and um the last few times every time we've gone out cops rock up within a couple of hours of us being there and you know we're pulling massive breeding carp out of the waterways doing a good thing yeah Yeah. cops rock up they have a chat and they're like yeah you know we had to come down someone's rang up and complained and one of the last times one of my mates went out there um he had the cops rock up and have actually gone out and pointed where they put up no the councils put up no fishing signs or anything that's going to interrupt the um, peacefulness of the area. Yeah, okay. And um, then the guy that rang up come across the road and he's like starting to try and start and fight him. So I'm, I'm assuming it'd be similar to spear fishing. People would see you climbing into the water with a spear gun and yeah, yeah, they see it as a. It's it, it's not it hasn't been too much of an issue. Um, up until now, obviously, yeah. it's it's a little bit more on on the um, on the forefront of people's minds with yeah. the opening of of areas like you know, Outer Harbour, Merino, Hallicove, which was which was our argument for getting them open yeah. in the first place was more equitable access. If you live in the city, there was nowhere to go spear fishing, and spear fishing is it's a fantastic, healthy, active outdoor activity where you 
collecting a selective feed of seafood. Yeah, you're, you're being very selective, unlike fishing. So, yeah. Like, I'm a, I'm a massive rod and reel angler, but, you know, spearfishing, you're being selective. You're only, it's like hunting. You're only taking what you're choosing to take, where fishing, you're pulling up everything 100%. until you find, yeah. you, you get what you want, really. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm no, I, I don't like, I don't like separating the two like that, and I, and I have I have done it in recently on, yeah. on on socials and that, and I've I've been pulled up by it. From, from <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen a couple of comments, <laughs> yeah, and, and rightly so. The, the, yeah, there's there's definite benefits to both, and they both should be championed as a fantastic outdoor activity. Look, that it's it's the same with bow hunting and rifle hunting. There's a lot of separation between the two on the hunting groups, and yeah. You know, there's guys that think bow hunting should be banned. There's, you know, guys that are just strictly bow hunting. They won't touch a rifle. I was like that when I first got into it, you know. I put off getting my license for years because I was that into bow hunting. And then it's just like, yeah, I can be a bit more selective with the with a rifle. And, you know, it's it's very, very similar. And there's the demonization between the two at times. Um, but, yeah, we're all in it together where you're, you're hunting, fishing, spear fishing. No, it's 100%. all it's all very similar, and, and we're we all need to, we need to make sure that we we are united yeah. on that front. You know yeah, I mean? we're all fighting for the same the same thing at 100%. the end of the day. You know, we want sustainable. That's the thing. We want a sustainable ecosystem. We don't want to shoot everything out. We want yeah. there to be a nice, healthy, balanced ecosystem where we can take our kids out and enjoy the 100%. enjoy the yeah. wildlife and fish and all of that stuff. Yeah. Anyway, move, moving on, Dakota, how old were you when you started going out? I think we covered that a little bit at the start, but fishing, hunting, when? Um, I was, as Dad said before, I was about six when we started walking out and doing stuff. And I think it wasn't that long ago that I actually shot my first animal. I think my goat was my first animal. Yep. I hadn't shot very much before then, I don't think. And then the spear fishing, I started snorkeling when I was about the same age, about six. And then when I was about seven, eight, I shot my first fish, and yep. I shot two on that day actually. Awesome! That that's that's better than my first day out. <laughs> <laughs> so your dad also sent a photo through of you and a couple of the young girls skinning out some goats. Yeah. Yep. Was so, that on that first trip where you took your first goat as well? Or? Yeah, so we went um, goat hunting and um, we were out there for, I think, seven days the first time. And I went out like at six o'clock every morning for like four days straight. And then Dad decided that I'd gone out enough and got enough like knowledge and everything to get my own one. So then we were like walking out in the bush on the sixth day, I'm pretty sure. And then um, mum has this complete uh, eagle eye. She can just spot goats from miles away. Just spot stuff up on the hill and we can't <laughs> even see them. And so she spotted the whole entire herd, all different colours, up on the hill. And then so we got into the position so the wind was the right way. Everything was in our favour. And then I was probably sitting there for like half an hour because... Like my mum, I'm very picky on what animal I get. I want a nice rug, nice, nice big animal yeah. with horns and stuff. And so I was there like just scanning through them, just like checking out which ones. And then I could just hear mum in the background going, oh, because I was taking a long time to pick which one I wanted because I'd watch one for a while and I'd be like, oh, should I pull the trigger? 
It's like got a pretty coat, but I could find a better one. And I just zoom across, find another one. And then I found this one that I liked. It had a really nice brown coat. And so I shot that one. And after I'd shot it, I had this ringing in my ear for about a minute after. It was just ringing, ringing, ringing. And then, so we walked up this massive hill to go find my goat. And then it was like, where I shot it, it was like a ledge going straight down. So it rolled down onto the ledge below it. Goats do that. They have a habit of doing that. <laughs> yeah. But it was a little bit heavy, so I couldn't carry it back. So dad had to carry it back. But then on all the trips that we've been on goat hunting, me, Roxy and Ava, which are our family friends that we're really close, close to, um, we always we try and skin as many as we can. Yep. Like we probably skin more than the boys did last time. <laughs> that's we great. Just like that's awesome. Them. Yeah, that's awesome. So how how was your first experience skinning a skinning a medium sized animal like that? How, how were you with it? Fine. Oh uh, yeah, I was pretty fine. I'd had lots of practice on um, foxes and stuff, yep. and so I kind of knew how to do it. Dad just gave me a quick run through with his like when I first learned how to. Skin in foxes and stuff he did his while I was doing mine so he could help me out and so he did that with my first one and then once I did it once I was kind of like getting into the hang of it and then the second time we went goat hunting I kind of like got in the rhythm of knowing how to like what spots you need to be more careful on because the skin rips more and stuff like that yeah awesome so do you have the rug in your room has it been yes yeah but then the trip that we recently went on, out on, I got this beautiful rug. It was black with little white dogs. It looked like a cow. And that <laughs> one's prioritised in my bedroom, but the brown one's still on the floor. That's yes. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I used to have a fair few goat goat rugs as a kid in my room, but, you know, dogs and age age got the best of, best of them, you know. <laughs> yeah, not, the, not the proudest dad moment with the... Um let her, let her take a shot with a 270 without earmuffs on. That's <laughs> the ringing in the ears. But, um, yeah. yeah, <laughs> a, yeah. Small, a small oversight in the heat of the moment, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> these, these these things happen, you know. Um, when, I've, when I take my two-year-old out, almost two-year-old out, um, I haven't taken him out with a rifle yet. I've been... I'm like, I need to get him some he hearing protection before I do. Um, yeah, so yeah. I've just... I take him for a walk with a bow, you know, he's, he's too loud anyway, he walks along, he's like, dad, dad, dear, dear, <laughs> and then on the weekend we're out, he's like, dad, dad, buck, like, not seeing anything, he's just, dad, dad, and then he goes, dad, dad, T-Rex, T-Rex, <laughs> like, I bloody hope not, <laughs> but yeah, he's like, walking along, talking, talking, climbing over sticks, throwing rocks, you know, just letting him have fun and enjoy it, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty hilly spot, you know, he, he started getting tired around... 9.30, we're out there from about 8.30. But he's like, Dad, Dad, home, home. Yeah. And, yeah, as soon as we got to the car, he just crashed out and slept for two, <laughs> yeah, slept for yeah. two hours. Yeah. Um, so, Dakota, what do your friends at school and other young ladies you meet say when they find out you go spearfishing and hunting and you've got goat skins in your room? And Well, the first time I ever bring something related to this into school it was a full fox skin yep. that dad, it was probably about six years old. Dad would have had it for ages. And um, I bring it in in this bag and um, I opened it up. All the other people for show and tell bring in their like new dogs, <laughs> new cats, maybe a photo of them in some different country or some like prize they got. And then I just whip out this um, big fox skin. <laughs> it was the largest one we had. And everyone just stares at me like, 
what is that? And I'm like, <laughs> this is my fox skin that my dad got ages ago. And they just like, it, I had to like hand it to every yeah. single kid. Like it would go around the circle and then the teacher was just like, to let everyone have a pat. So everyone was just walking around the circle, giving it a pat. And it was so funny because everyone didn't like, no, it looked like no one had ever seen yeah. it before. But now- What I, was your teacher's reaction like? Oh, well, my teacher kind of knew I did it a bit more, yeah. so he wasn't as surprised, but then he kind of thought it was kind of cool. I think he might have thought it was the best one there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think he thought it was pretty cool. So how old were you when you did this show and tell with the fox skin? I think I was seven, yeah. pretty sure. I no, that's in. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, like we were talking before the podcast, um, I had very similar experiences in in school bringing in goat horns and skulls and foxtails and skins and goat skins and you know i had a few pet lizards and snakes so i'd bring a like kids would bring in their dogs and cats and i'd bring in my pet snake for (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah it was was always a different different thing with me everyone's like oh okay why are you bringing this dead animal in or you know all right zach's got his snake snake here again um those that are scared of it please leave the room <laughs> uh, good on you. Uh, so what what do your other school friends say when they find out or do you play sports or anything like that you meet meet other people doing that and then they find out you go out well i do a lot of, like a lot of other activities like i'm in other groups and stuff but mostly my friends come over for my birthdays and they just walk into the house. The first thing you see is a massive photo wall of all of our photos, like random photos of dead animals, families, yeah. birthdays, uh, heaps of dad spearfishing. Like yeah. that's probably majority of the wall. And then you're like, oh, this is so much. And then you just want to go sit down on the lounge. But then when you go into the lounge room, there's skulls everywhere <laughs> the couches are layered with skins the floors awesome. with skins and then you turn around and face the wall and there's like this wall of cool stuff like we got like um crayfish cool shells we got yeah. all our antlers and stuff like that and it's really cool do you have any fish mounts or anything like that no i've never never gotten into yeah. the um more into bones than actually yeah. whole mounts so yeah. um done a couple of jaws and stuff like that um, snapper jaws and yeah, stuff like that yeah, they're pretty cool spanish mackerel yeah. set of jaws um yeah sort of more into the into the white bone yeah. look rather than rather than the colored fish um yeah i've seen a few fish um photos recently where people are doing like whole mounts but just fish bones and yeah that, oh, that, they look pretty cool it, it, it's even just doing a, a, a pretty simple um jaw yeah jaw skull mount it's like a the most difficult adult puzzle you could yeah. possibly attempt. Um, so I've had a couple of cracks at it and sort of it's been okay, but not not something that I would immerse myself in doing the whole <laughs> fish as, as awesome as it looks. Like I'd, I would love to love to have one. But yeah, there's, there's some cool guys that do them. Um, yeah. There's a guy down down south that does a couple, like he does a lot of freshwater species and you, you yeah, see the okay. red fin that he, he, he does and they look pretty realistic. I yeah. think they're... They're just the replica mounts. They're not. They're not actually skin mounts. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty interesting. Very cool. Yeah. So, what have you guys forgotten on a hunting or fishing trip? I'll let Dakota go first, and then I'll <laughs> go second. 
Um, well, one thing me and my friends always forget when we go hunting is food. <laughs> We're out there begging in our parents to see if they have food in their backpack, but they never do. It's just like, do we have muesli bars? Do we have any of this? And it comes down to it where... Sometimes you get like bad food, like bad muesli bars and stuff. And they're the things that we have to eat because we don't have any other food and we're like starving out there. Been there. But I think we just over-exaggerate a bit. You're <laughs> usually not that hungry because you have big breakfast and then you get a lunch when you get home, but you just feel hungry because yeah. you're just waiting there. <laughs> yeah, we're never going to make them starve to death. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm reasonably, I'm reasonably organised both in my spear fishing and my hunting, so I... Don't often forget stuff. The the one thing that would be regularly forgotten would be a knife. Yeah. It, it's just, yeah. I, I'd, Is that a dive knife or just hunting knife? No, nah, hunting knife. Yeah. That's what I'm hunting. When I'm when I'm spearfishing, I, I nearly never forget anything. It's, yeah. it's pretty, I'm, I'm very organised with my spearfishing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I did forget my fins once. I, I went... Went to went to a dive. Luckily, it was only a local dive before work. But oh no! Yeah, forgot my fins. So I was I was having to push myself along the bottom with just my feet, which wasn't wasn't much fun. But still got a feed. So yeah, no, that made does the, made the most of that it. That sounds hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely don't recommend forgetting fins. But um, but yeah. no, no, no um, catastrophic forgetful moments. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, no, nah, I normally have I, I have two knives in my bino harness and then I'll have a couple extra in the pack and yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's something you can never have too much 100%, on. 100%, yeah. So what's some uh, spear fishing etiquette? Um, yeah, it's been, been talked about a fair bit lately, I guess. Um, just treat people how you would want to be treated would be... Would be Sort of, and, and a lot of it is just fairly common sense stuff. If there's someone, if you're going for a shore dive and there's someone fishing off the rocks, give them plenty of space. You know, swim 50 meters yep. further out and around them, and, and go back in close if that's what you need to do, so you don't swim through their fishing lines. For example, if there's a boat anchored, you know, obviously give them give them plenty of room. Don't there's no need to go and you know swim around 20 meters from their boat or anything like that. Um, as far as you know. Entering and exiting the water, we've been pretty hot on, especially with these new zones recently opening. Um, you know, covering your spear tip when you when you get out of the water, grab use your snorkel to put put it over the end of your gun. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a pretty basic yeah. safety rule when it comes to spear fishing. Um, keep your spear tip covered at all times when you're out of the water. Never have your spear gun loaded out of the yeah. water. Um, you know, and and just just respect people, give people space. Don't don't go out and and kill the pig, so to yeah. speak. You know, take take only what you need. What you need to eat is a is a pretty big one as far as the etiquette goes. Um, you know, obviously not against you know, freezing some fish. You obviously don't need to eat everything straight exactly, away. Yeah. Like I've got a I've got a freezer full of fish myself, but you know, it is definitely going to get eaten within the next yeah. few months. So, um, yeah, and just and just respect the. Uh, I guess on the etiquette thing have a think about where you are and in and in sensitive areas such as merino try to target pelagic species yep. you you um you know you pelagic species your species that move from an area to an area they they don't actually live on that yeah on that one spot whereas your demersal fish are your magpie perch and um you know boar fish and and you know resident like leather jackets yeah. and stuff like that they're all resident reef fish yeah. they're, they're living there they're not going to go and swim 50 kilometers yeah. down the coast like a salmon will yeah um 
so we try to encourage people. There's nothing wrong with taking some demersal fish, um, but try to limit your take on those fish. Target pelagics. Whereas if you're in a in a area down the bottom end of Yorks or somewhere that's a lot more remote, and you and you want to and you really enjoy eating magpie perch, for example, and you want to shoot half a dozen, then then go for it. Like yeah. that's that's fine. But you just got to be a little bit sensitive about where you are and and you know what makes sense. Yeah, you know, it, it, just a bit of bit of common sense and um, you know, try to try to respect how how people around you might be feeling and, yeah. and try to be sensitive to that. I guess a little bit off topic. What would your favourite fish be to spear for eating? Favourite fish to spear for eating. Um, Pretty tricky. Um, I would rate swallowtail. They're very similar to a red snapper, yep. what some people call a nanny guy yep. here in South Australia. Swallowtail are like a smaller version of them, um, often schooling on, on offshore reefs. Um, they're just a beautiful, delicate, sweet meat. Um, uh, underrated fish. I really enjoy Australian salmon, fresh. Yeah, that's you know. it's one of my favourite saltwater species to eat. And yeah. I get demonised whenever yeah. I say it. They're like, why are you eating them? I'm yeah. like, I, I grew up surf fishing with my pop. So, you know, yeah. every time we went out, I'd smoke salmon. But even eating fillets fresh and you get the bigger the bigger fish and you cut them into steaks. And yeah, yeah. they're definitely my favourite saltwater. Yeah, and you don't have to, when you, when you eat them fresh, you don't have to do anything special yeah. with them. Like I'll just, I'll bleed them in the water, gut them straight away. Put them on put them on ice for a couple of hours, and I'll just salt and pepper, and yeah. just the basic fillet, salt and pepper, and just cook it in butter. And yeah, they're beautiful. Oh, it's just delicious. Like just yeah, very very underrated South Australian yeah. fish. So is that your favourite way to mainly cook fish, just like that? Salt quite, pepper. Quite often yeah. that is that is a bit of a go to. Nothing me. too fancy, Nothing or maintains its you know maintains the fish's integrity, and and I do I, I do like really lightly dusting in egg and breadcrumbs yep. for certain species as well like your um, snook snook is another yep. fish that I really enjoy eating good um, smoked yeah good smoke again like one of those fish that not highly regarded yep. by some people um, but yeah just lightly dusted in egg and breadcrumbs so I, I find it hard to go past a good feed of um, good feed of snook yeah, I've never been a big fan of like battered, like heavily battered yeah. fish. I, to me, that just ruins. But something I've found over the last ten-ish years is you can buy Kentucky Fried seasoning from the the shops, and I do heaps of fish okay. in like this Kentucky Fried seasoning. I haven't tried. Put, I put a bit of uh, chili powder in there, and yeah, it's it's wicked. It just gives it a wicked flavour. But fresh I do water. it fresh water and salt water and okay. all of that. What about you, Dakota? What's your favourite eating fish that you guys? Um, my favourite eating and catching fish would have to be garfish. They yep. are my absolute favourite. When I'm in a competition, all I wish for is a garfish. <laughs> it's just the only fish I want. They're like kind of like a really challenging fish because like, they're on the surface and they're in shallow a lot. And they're tiny. <laughs> yeah, they're tiny. And then um, they're delicious cooked. Like, like Dad said, you just lightly batter them and then fry them yep. in the pan and then they just taste delicious, like that cunt, crunchy flavour. That's yeah, so no, garfish are a great eating fish. Um, when I, when I, actually when I went out for my first time spearing, the guy I went with, he he speared a few garfish, and I'm I'm like that's ins-, like with a with a gun he was spearing them, and I was blown away. You know, yeah. I was struggling to get close to anything, and he's there, there's him spearing the gar. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're a, they're a wicked wicked eating fish. That's for sure. Um, back to etiquette. Um, boating. What would your 
advice be for boaters around you guys when yeah. you're out? Yeah. Um, obviously, when, you, when you're spearfishing, it's highly um, recommended. It's not law, but it is strongly recommended by everyone to always tow a float with your alpha diver blue flag, yeah. which is your blue and white flag on top of your float. Um, and, and as we're, as we're seeing an increase in numbers in the sport, you know, there is a lot more, a lot more of these little floats getting around in the water, um, in inshore areas. Um, just, just go slow. I think the rule is you have to go off the top of my head. I don't even know if I know it. I think it's, you have, you should slow down to four knots within 50 meters of Uh the blue and white alpha flag. I think that's correct from memory. Um, but just, just, just like we, Spearfishers should respect boats when when they're um, when, when they're anchored up. We shouldn't go near you. Yeah. Just just give give spearfishers a, a wide berth. If you see a float, just just keep away from it. There's going to be a di- and quite often divers will, you know, they shouldn't, but quite yeah. often they can venture and you know a little bit too if they've got their float anchored or something. They might go, you know, a little bit further away. Chasing those fish. Yeah, than you <laughs> might expect you might expect them to be. So yeah, yeah. So just just if you see that float. Keep keep well away from it if if you can, and um, you know if the diver pops his head up and sees you, like if I see a boat coming nearby, I'll often pop my head up and give yep. him a wave. And if they wave back, yep, sweet. We've acknowledged each other. We know we know we're both there. And and if they drift past, flicking squid jags, yep. I'm, I'm not I'm not fast. Um, it's more the boat under power that yep. I'm that I'm going to be concerned about. Um, but yeah, that, that that's the main thing. It gets a little bit little bit tricky as far as tuna schools and stuff yeah. like that when you start doing the offshore stuff which is which is a little bit more hectic yeah, i've um, seen seen some of the photos of liam liam and that out chasing tuna that's that's pretty epic Have, yeah you've gone on to a few tuna yeah 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 i've enjoyed chasing chasing tuna as well over the years we're actually the we're actually the first ones in in the world to shoot southern bluefin tuna yeah, wow. over 100 kilos um, on on spear back in 2014, so that was a yeah chasing pretty, chasing pretty the barrels. That's, yeah. that's 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 awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. So that was um not lots of people like lots of fishers don't catch 100 kilo tuna, let alone yeah shoot. yeah quite a quite an amazing quite an amazing experience. And that size, do they drag you around a bit or they fight just like every other tuna, just yeah. heavier yeah. basically. So tuna are renowned just for just for bombing straight to the bottom and doing yeah. big circle works until you tire them out. Do you use floats and stuff? Like yeah. I was listening to the Meat Eater podcast and he was talking to Kimmy and um, she, she was saying that she shot a like a 600-pound marlin or something like that, yeah, something yeah. ridiculous, yeah, and yeah. she just pretty much put the float on and just hugged the float yeah. <laughs> until yes, it that's wore pretty out. Much, yeah. That's pretty much how it goes. You, you use a, a large gun with a, what we call a breakaway rig, yeah. so your gun actually separates from your entire... Yeah your entire setup and your, your shooting lines connected to a to a cord and a yeah. rope on the, and a float on the surface. They have um, a similar setup for bow fishing, like alligator gar and, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. when they're doing, like there's a guy in Western Australia, he's taken a couple of tiger sharks and stuff like that with a bow. Yeah, and, right. yeah. <laughs> That's pretty out Yeah. There. <laughs> they, they take, like some of the old school trade guys got on some big, big fish, especially the big pelagic species with, with bow fishing gear back in the day, but... Yeah, and wow. I tend to go more for freshwater stuff these days, but yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the funniest hunting fishing story you have? Um, it's uh, that's a, that's a really tricky one to answer. Um, it, with with any sport, I guess that you um or activity that you undertake for many years, there's plenty of plenty. There's there's always there's always a laugh. There's always a laugh among mates and and that. Um, 
I, I find it really hard to pinpoint a, a really humorous one. There's a lot of moments where, you know, lo- losing boats off trailers at boat ramps, yeah. at remote remote ramps and stuff like that, you know, like... Yeah, Liam never, was talking about a boat sink, sink, yeah, <laughs> sinking. Yeah, yeah, never, <laughs> never very funny to, um, you know, have these mishaps happen at the time, but you always look back and yeah. when you're having a few beers with mates and they're, and they're pretty funny later on. Um, but, yeah, I, I find it really hard to... to Any really silly stuff-ups or just forgetting a bung out on a boat or as um, Liam brought up, I think it is it Alistair. They had a yeah. mishap with the jet ski. <laughs> yeah. Alistair's, Alistair's a little bit, up, a little bit accident prone. <laughs> yeah. That, that yeah. was a great story. I, I had to segment that bit and I chucked it up on TikTok and Instagram and just that, that clip. So I'm, I'm, I actually haven't spoken to Alistair, but yeah, I, I'm sure he wouldn't be too happy. <laughs> he, he's, a, he's a great bloke. I'm sure, he would, I'm sure he'll see the funny side. And, and um, he's, he's the first one that'll laugh at himself. Yeah. So yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't be too stressed about it. But yeah, there's, there's, there's. I wouldn't be able to pinpoint yeah. one. It's just always a, always a good time with mates. Yeah. And what about you, know, you, Dakota? Do you have one? Yeah. Um, in my competition, my very first competition, I think it was with Dad. I was doing the York Classic. Yeah. And we went out, and I was. We were. He was teaching me. This was the very first time he was teaching me how to catch squid. And so we shot our Tommy earlier that day and I was throwing it, Dad was throwing it up and out into the water. Just just quickly, Dakota, just elaborate on what you were doing there, why you were doing that for the, for the squid. Why were you throwing a Tommy? Oh, because the, um, the squid like the fish that comes down, like they like the food because they nest on the bottom and when they see food, they just want to grab it. So they come out of the seaweed, which is where we were... Yeah taking them and they would just want to come and grab it so there was these probably about five squid that came in but they were coming in not out <laughs> and um we were like so I was getting ready to shoot before we did this dad explained to me like just wait till they come in wait till they get close near the fish before like let them kind of touch the fish and then when they like are about to like kind of move off you just want to like aim your gun down there slowly and then shoot them and so I saw these squid and I just pulled my gun up and shot them (laughs) and somehow I shot this squid and it was probably about like a meter or meter and a half away and then I was so proud of myself and then dad was like oh that's a little bit of a fluke like you kind of were a little bit far away from that squid (laughs) to shoot it and that was probably the funniest story that's that's great (laughs) Yeah, little little tip for the beginners in there as well with the throw throw a fish for squid on weed beds. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't until recently I I didn't even think about chasing squid like with a spear gun like it wasn't even a a thought. And then I think um I think you know and Rob Zacker I think he posted some photos up of of some squid that yeah. he'd got and I'm like oh holy shit like yeah. I, I didn't even. think of it that's 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 awesome good fun good fun good fun species to chase with with beginners for sure have you seen that crab cam post lately with all this (laughs) he's been blowing up but um yeah it's been cool watching the uh, squid come out and fight the crabs and the crabs fighting them off and all the other species cruising around need someone to get creative and do a commentary to it yeah (laughs) send send them off to aussie man aussie man have a treat with it (laughs) i'm surprised he hasn't picked him up yet because he's he's the videos are being getting 20, 30, 
And I think I haven't seen one with like 60,000 views. Yeah, right, yeah. Like they've just been shared everywhere. Um, what what about a dangerous thing? Do you have a most sketchy or dangerous thing that's happened while you've been out, either hunting or fishing? Uh, yeah, I've got a... Probably not so much hunting, I guess. Um, yeah, it's hunting-wise pretty pretty safe and yeah. haven't, haven't ever forgotten water or gotten stuck out there or anything like <laughs> that. It's, um, but, yeah, definitely um, diving and, and spearfishing-wise. Um, I had a... When I was work diving off uh, off an island off Victoria, I had my head chewed on by an elephant seal last, <laughs> last year or the year before, which that's, was a bit out there. Yeah, That's insane. <laughs> yeah, so that could have... It wasn't dangerous, as it turned out. I'm still here, but it yeah. certainly, um, certainly could have gone... That would have been a weird feeling. It was... Yeah, we... we we had seen it previously. The day before, we'd seen this this um, you know, elephant seal yeah. in the area, um, but where yeah, we went, we dove the other side of this this island that um, the next day, and and um, you know, fairly big island, yeah. and I was in in fairly shallow water, three four meters, and and yeah, felt felt you know, something on my head, and sort of lifted my head up, and an, an elephant seal, you just. Yeah, they're a big they're, animal. They're like really, I've seen really the the one. <laughs> yeah. Well, not the one, but you know, Victor gets gets one on the beach every now and again. Yeah, and, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not not something that that I'd be throwing myself in the water with no. um, voluntarily. So, do they have much teeth or anything? Well, like I couldn't. That? I just, couldn't feel any teeth. It was yeah. more just the sort of flubbery mouth, yeah. sort of like a dog nuzzling a ball, <laughs> sort of thing. That I think it was sort of just curious of what I was. It might have been. Did you know it was that when it grabbed you? Or no, no. Well, I, as soon as I looked up, I yeah. I knew what it was, and I sort of pushed my abalone iron. I was fishing for abalone at the time. Pushed my abalone iron into its belly, and just a just a super soft blubbery yeah. belly, and it sort of moved off about five meters, and then just sat there mid water, just just watching me. Like obviously, super. I'm sure your heart was racing. Like, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it <laughs> I don't was, think an, an elephant seal was the first thought that when yeah, something grabs you in the water. Yeah, it was a it's a fairly large <laughs> seal colony um, that island too, fairly renowned for white sharks. So yeah, it's a you're never very re- very relaxed in that. Sort of water. There was one yeah. last year. I think he was an abalone diver as well, but got the dude that got swallowed by the the whale. By the whale, yeah, that, yeah. That would be just. Wait, did he get out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He spat him out. Spat him out. <laughs> I, I think it was a blue whale that yeah swallowed him while he was working. That would be kind of cool story to tell. Yeah. The, yeah, he just popped up like 100 meters from the boat when the whale spat him out, just sucked <laughs> him up and. Spat him out. <laughs> Unbelievable, isn't it? The things that can things that happen when you can't spend time in the water. But yeah, other, other than that, not not really any particularly sketchy times. Um, I have seen a white shark, but yeah. it wasn't it wasn't aggressive. It just passed through. Um, it's actually pretty cool seeing like um, there's a big one that cruises off in New Zealand, and there's a few divers that get real close and go up. It's a it was a big pregnant one. Yeah, and they're like yeah. diving and patting this white shark as yeah, it's swimming yeah. around. And it's yeah, like man, yeah. that's yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be. A bit dangerous. Yeah, too much, too much risk in that for me. <laughs> just, just for the listeners, and have you had much encounters with sharks? Out any bad encounters? No. Not, not bad encounters. Yeah, no, never had any, any real bad ones. Um, you know, I've had fish eaten off my float before yeah. and stuff like that, but that's usually bronzies. Yeah. Um, but bronzies seem to be the biggest 
one in South Australia for yeah, guys. Yeah, Liam definitely. was saying that he's had a couple of run-ins with some small bronzies. And yeah, definitely a lot more, a lot more bronzies than than anything else I would say. But yeah, most of the time I think you know sharks are, are an overrated, yeah, overrated, nice. overhyped, yeah, um, risk really that. It's not not really a huge a huge deal in my mind. Um, yeah, I, I talk with lots of Americans, and they're like, as if you walk through the bush in shorts, and I'm like, our animals aren't that dangerous, you know. Yeah. Most of them give you space, whether it's yeah sharks or yeah. you know every now and again there's that mistaken identity or just a pissed off shark trying to get some get some food off, you know. Yeah, yeah. The most famous story, the Rodney Fox, you know, that's yeah. the closest thing in South Australia that's really happened in the that's made news everywhere yeah that i know of anyway um but yeah there has been there has been more recent attacks obviously but yeah it's it's fortunately few and far between and and um yeah hopefully we can keep on yeah keep keep it few and far between (laughs) like i said at the start the most dangerous thing would be driving to and from you know having a car accident or something you know it's 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 one of those things what about you dakota have you had any any dangerous encounters while you're out or? Uh, yes. I was probably eight or nine. Like I'd only been diving for a couple of years and we went out on this boat day. It was just like out of the boat ramp, but then we went out deep and we were just like snorkeling around, having a check at everything. And then we were, there was like the boat ramp and we were like off the side of it a bit. And we were like, um, me, Dad, and then Roxy and Ava from the photos before, they were um, coming, they came out with us. So Dad took me out first and there was like the rock wall and we were just going there because yep. it was like a bit of the reef area. And I was diving down and it was probably like three or four metres there. It was pretty deep there. And I was lining up this, I can't even remember what it was. I think it might have been a magpie perch, I think. And then... Um, there was this massive seal in the water and I haven't seen anything else worse because I haven't been diving for very long. Like I've never encountered a shark or anything. And so my sudden urge was I just jump on dad's back. (laughs) Like the the seal can take dad first. (laughs) And so I just climb like, because there was people in the boat watching me. So I just climb on top of dad's block and I'm literally just like holding onto his shoulders, sitting on his back because... I could not handle being in the water with a seal. And these people on the boat, they're videoing me jumping on his back because I was so scared. And then I have a look at this video after and literally I just jumped out of the water screaming and then jumped on Dad's back. And then I was sitting there and then they're like, oh, are you all right? You are right? And I like kind of went back into the water and then the seal was still there and then Dad just held me back a little bit because I was still kind of nervous. And then I saw a dolphin go past, which made me feel a little bit better, but there was a still a scary seal in the water. <laughs> like father, like daughter. Sketchy seal. Yeah, sketchy <laughs> seals. Yeah, you got to watch those seals. That's <laughs> uh, good Good to good for the kids to experience the, all the all the larger marine mammals. And it's interesting, even, even you know, harmless, you know, relatively harmless yeah. stuff like, like seals, they can still be pretty intimidating yeah. the first, first time you experience them. So. Yeah, I've seen the canines on the fur yeah. seals and they're, I wouldn't want to get nipped by one, that's no. for sure. No. What about um, top five dream animals or fish species? Um, or places to yeah. dive? Yeah, f- fish, fish species... Um, I would like to take all of the billfish species. Yeah. 
um, I took a strike marlin um, a couple of years back, early 2020, I think it was. Um, Where was you know, that? That was off Bermagui. Um, Where's that? On the, <laughs> on the east coast of uh, sort of southern New South Wales. Yep. Um, so yeah, managed to get a managed to get a nice striped marlin out there, which was a great experience. That's delicious wicked. eating fish. Um, Size what? It was 108 kilos. Yeah, wow. Um, so yeah, one of those ones that used the big gun yeah. with the breakaway and floats and all that sort of stuff on it. Um, yeah, and I, you know, just a just a personal goal of mine. I'll, yeah. I'll never I'll never shoot another striped marlin. Yeah, um, that's just that's just where I sort of sit with it. But if I saw a black marlin, I'd love to take a black marlin. If I saw a blue, I'd love yeah. to take a blue. They're and beautiful. I've seen. Speaking of skull mounts, I've seen a skull mount of a of a marlin the other day on Instagram, and yeah, wicked. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's sort of spearfishing um, fish goals. Yeah. That's sort of what what I'd and and a, and a swordfish is sort of the, yeah. the holy grail. Um, you know, pretty sketchy fish to spear. They're sort of renowned for would be. turning and and coming at you. Um, and, and a very, very difficult fish to, to successfully yeah. even target and, and find because they like, they like deep water and, you know, usually come to the surface at yeah. night time and stuff like that. So it's a, you know, a, a dream that probably won't ever come to um, fruition, but yeah. who, who knows? And as far as hunting goes, to be honest, I'd, I would like to take a chittle. I, yeah. I think chittle are just a beautiful, a very beautiful, pretty deer. And for the American listeners, chittle is axis. Um, yeah, I, I, that's definitely a, a bucket list deer for for me. But as far as the hunting goes, I'm I, I hunt more um, more to feed myself yeah. rather than you know the trophy thing isn't really my my kettle of fish. Yeah. Um, you know I have done I've I've gone to Russia with a good mate and and um, successfully hunted moose. And oh wow, stuff that's like awesome. That. So that was that was a pretty give us a quick rundown on that yeah i'll give you a quick rundown on that that was um yeah um far eastern russia on yep. the kamchaka peninsula yep um a few few years ago and uh yeah it was very very early um initially we um we'd teed up a moose hunt and the people that we'd teed up the moose hunt with you know obviously didn't understand what sort of hunters we were and all that sort of stuff and they um they'd arranged a, a helicopter to take us out and, and shoot moose yep. from, with, with semi-autos from this <laughs> helicopter and it was like no nah, that is not not what we're about yeah. like we we want to actually hunt one like we want to yeah so yeah the whole plan changed and we ended up um at this hunting lodge in in far eastern russia and and took 10 days so it was very very early so the the even the hunting outfitters were saying it's too early you know too early you, you're probably not going to see one but you know decided to gamble it anyway and um yeah and we, we took 10 10 i think it was 10 hunts nine hunts or 10 hunts morning and night and, we, and it was the last the day the day before we were due to leave yeah. on the very on the very last hunt that we managed to um so were you calling call, him in yeah we were calling yeah. him in yeah yeah that's so wicked they pretty, travel some yeah pretty pretty amazing like was just, it a just, big ball or it, it was it was a reasonable yeah. one yeah it was those russian russian moose get, yeah get big yeah nice big paddles either side yeah yeah it that's was it was mind-numbing how by when i when you actually walked up to it yeah. and you saw it on the ground it was just bigger than anything that you ever see in australia like just yeah the, the, the sheer size of them it was it was pretty pretty humbling i wasn't the one a, that pulled the trigger yeah. i was i was just just there for the experience oh, even even still that'd be but and just just hearing being this, there. hearing this thing, you know, you, you're calling on you're calling in the middle of 
in the middle of nowhere yeah. and you can you can hear it. You heard, we heard it coming in for probably 45 minutes in the, wow. in the distance. They just you'd do that. Mm. Yeah, mm. You'd, you'd hear, mm. the, hear the response. It sounded like a barking yeah. dog, just, just really, really distant. It gradually got louder and louder and louder. And then it, once it was probably, I don't know how close, maybe 200, 300 metres away, it started really like getting a bit aggro and thrashing trees. And That's it sounded right. like a bulldozer coming through the forest it was, it was yeah, pretty, wow. pretty amazing so yeah. was it pretty dense forest you guys it were was in? pretty dense yeah 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 because yeah. yeah. i just i just have a picture you know you, th- you think of like the alaska where they're hunting them and it's just like shoulder high bushes and it's you can see for ages so it was yeah no like it was more, more birch, yeah. birch forest sort of country yeah. um lots of silver birch and and just undercover um through throughout that as well but yeah, it was, that's awesome. It was, a, it was a very cool hunt. Did you see yeah. many other species while you're out there? No, we only saw. Um, uh, we did see two two other moose yeah. during during hunting, but they, neither of them presented a shot. Yeah. They were, they were, and fortunately, they didn't because they were much smaller animals than the one the one that we ended up taking. Um, they have caribou out there too, don't they? Or I'm, I'm not too way. sure, no. to be honest. Um, like I said, I haven't haven't really done the, bear. done the whole. Yeah, there was yeah. there was plenty of bears. Yeah. See see many. Saw a few, yeah, yeah. yeah. close, but lots or? of, uh, yeah, yeah, close, yeah. close enough, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mostly when we're fishing, we did, we did a lot of fishing over there yeah. as well in the rivers for for the salmon and awesome, yeah. Um, so that that sounds like a wicked. How did that all come? Was it work? No, nah, it was over? just through just some just through some friends yeah. that, that we we know that are that are Russian and and um yeah teed teed up a trip. My mate was trying to get me to um get me to go on this trip for a long time yeah. and, and he eventually just ended up going right I've, I've booked it we're going yeah, this is when we're going so I didn't really get a choice in it that's but, um, that's insane man yeah that's, but yeah rafted down a river fishing for yeah. fishing for salmon and eating caviar yeah morning and morning and night that's for wicked. five days was was pretty epic and moose meat and caviar yeah sounds, yeah sounds but ideal inter- interestingly the um the the Russians weren't um you know they because we shot the moose yeah. very late at night and it was getting dark and they, because there was a risk of bears take, we couldn't carry yeah. the whole car because the thing was 600 yeah. kilos. <laughs> so it, um, they only took the cuts that they highly valued, yeah. which was the heart, the tongue, yeah. the testicles, um, the liver. It was all the awful cuts. Yeah, that, all the high in vitamins. Yeah, that we don't that. we don't really value. And Do all you... The, all the back straps. Do you eat um, heart and liver and that yeah, when you take yeah, deer? Do. And, yeah. yeah. How, how do you find that, Dakota? When you eat, do you have you ate heart and liver and? Yeah, when we went out goat hunting, so now we've kind of got into the like bit of getting all the one little like materials and meat and stuff that we don't usually yeah. get. And so when we went goat hunting last, we were into the hearts. Yeah. So. We got our first heart and Ava, the person from before, was very fascinated by them. And one of them, one of the ones they shot, they did a headshot because we were going to get yep. a nice fur and they still saw the heart beating. And so we tried it and the heart was like, I reckon it was my favourite part of the goat. Like it was delicious. Yeah, heart is. so good. Heart is really like, good. How many did we catch? We caught like 20 goats, I think, yeah. over a long time. And then we got, um, I think we ate like seven hearts and they were yeah. delicious. Yeah, they, they are, are really good. Um, so what, what fish species did you get onto in Russia? Um, it's difficult for us to know the, the exact species yeah. because they obviously call, call yeah, them all different. different yeah. There was three or four different different types of um, salmon. We got yeah. rainbow, like nice rainbow trout. Yeah, wicked. There as well. That's um, was that fly or just spin? Is your 
Uh, it was all just spin, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah wicked. All just, all just little little spinners, similar to what you'd yeah. use for redfin and stuff here. And yeah, that's just, epic. Just man. Shallow, that's... cold running alpine yeah. streams, basically. And yeah, yeah amazing, amazing that's experience. Insane. I high, highly. So how long were it. you? Yeah. Uh, it was probably be a bit hard to get over there now. Definitely but... hard to get there now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How long were you? Uh, we did five days, um, five days river fishing. Yeah. Um, and then a cup. We did a couple of days spear fishing as well. We managed to tee up a local guy that took us out yeah. spear fishing. And, yeah, wow. Um, yeah, was it? Shot a, what what season? Uh, it was there. It was there summer. Yeah, so, oh, so pretty warm. It yeah. was. It was sort of comparable to. Yeah, it was. It wasn't warm, but, but it was compared to a winter. Not snowing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There summer, you'd probably call it like our spring, yeah. maybe that sort of. Temperature, yeah. and you're about to say you did some spearfishing. Did a little bit of spearfishing, yeah. yeah. What'd you yeah. again? Don't, don't, don't know. know the species, yeah. but we um, you know, shot a shot a few unusual fish yeah. over there. Cool. And, and got some good photos. Delicious, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wicked, it's quite, you quite amazing. You know, you'll have to send some got, of this these yeah. photos through. Yeah, you've got like snow snow covered mountains in the yeah. background. And you're you're diving out of they dive out of some funny inflatable boats over there, and yeah, that's that's very wicked. Cool, very cool experience. Yeah. Um, how do you see the public views on hunting and spearfishing? Um, that's an interesting one. I think it's hard to say. I, I feel like my the people that I interact with see it very favourably yeah. um, and that could just be because I associate myself with those sorts of people. Yeah. Um, you know, I think in a in day and age where there is a an ongoing swing to you know oh you shouldn't do that and, and you know everything's sentient and like everything's got feelings yeah. and all this sort of stuff like i think like i i i think we need to be continuously pushing the education and the message that we spearfish and we hunt not because we want to or partly because we want to but because we view it as a better way yeah it's not like you know, I look at the trolleys full of meat at the supermarket and it makes my stomach turn. Yeah. Like, you know, but they'd probably see Dakota with her elbows deep <laughs> in a goat carcass. And I that, love that, that photo. Was, you know, like... It, it, but it, it, Dad it honest, enjoying a beer. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I said, said Zach a, a, a photo of me on the... Because that's, that's what happens. We get back to camp and we've just carted the, carted the animals for six kilometres over the, over the mountains and get back to camp and... Yeah, the boys sit down and have a beer, and the and the girls get their hands dirty. So <laughs> that, that's dad goals for sure. But it's it's a it's a great thing. Like kids, all kids love getting their hands yeah. dirty. Like why not why not let them get their hands yeah, dirty exactly. in, a, in a, with an animal, and, yeah. and you're teaching them skills at the same time. So yeah, I think I think you know the the whole public views thing. I think it's just all about education, and, and yeah. I I I don't think that I think. A lot of the conversations that I've had of people that, you know, find find hunting a little bit abrasive or, or you know, a little bit rednecky or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, if you if you sit down and have a conversation with them, and and even my my good friends who I've got good friends who are vegetarians and stuff like that, and and after having conversations with them, I've actually taken them out hunting myself. Yeah. You know? So it is education and doing it ethically and doing exactly. it the right way. Exactly. If you 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 got the inf- information and you can pass that on well enough, you know it 
might not change their mind, but it gives them a different perspective on it. That's for sure. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um. So, how would you change the the public views on it? Like, how are you doing it through education for say spearfishing? Yeah, well, with with the spearfishing, I guess it's just all about um, you know, as people come into the club and and join the club, teaching them the right way to yeah. do it. Should tell them that you know, the, the the proper ways of doing things. It's, it's not just and 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 over time, you do enough of that. Yeah, I I would hope that the tide would tide would swing and and it would gradually be be accepted and and understood at least you know. You're never gonna. There's always gonna be a, a minority, a, a small group that are totally against it, regardless yeah. of how much education you jam down their throats. But so you were at the um, the fishing thing on Sunday with yeah. that Lee organised. Had yeah. that had that go? Yeah, it was a it was a great event. Lee's an Lee's an absolute champion for yeah. for wreck fishing in SA. She's a. Oh, eventually get her on. She's she said she'd be keen to. So yeah. uh, she'll be amazing to get just, on. Just I reckon a tireless hard worker. Like, yeah, I don't know where she gets the time to do everything that she does, but but she does it. And and again, very she's very passionate about the kids and nurturing. I love that that fishing ambassador, generation. that young fishing ambassador program she's got. That's that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, reeling in junior, junior anglers. It's a it's a fantastic initiative. Yeah. Um, I I applaud a lot of what Lee, what Lee does. I think she's a and yeah, the the fishing showcase. It was a it was a great initiative for her to get get people from all different organisations yeah. and clubs together down there as West Lakes. And you know, I think the the numbers that turned up probably wasn't wasn't what she would have ideally hoped yeah. for. But you know, for for a first event, it's one of those things. You sort of you start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So you know, she's she's started it, and hopefully. She might run grows it again and next grows. year, and you know it, it'll it'll grow from there. So she's she's definitely a great public advocate for for fishing, all all things fishing. So yeah, you yeah. Know, one of my last guests, Luke, he was down there. Chamo Lures, um, yeah, yeah, had a good chat to Luke. Yeah, so yeah. he he was on on last not last episode episode before, and then Alex, who was down there as well, he'll yeah. he's he's coming down on in the future as well. So yeah, it's yeah, funny how every everything in intertwine. Into betweens everything. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Um, Dakota. Yes. How do you think we could encourage more young women to get into hunting and spearfishing? Well, I think we have a lot of men in our club, and I know a lot of them are married and have children. And I think if somehow they got their children and wives and partners into it, it would be better. But spearfishing, you have to. You can't just do it because you have to. You have to actually love it because it takes a lot of practice and you need the right teacher and the good education to yep. actually do it properly. Um, what could dads do to encourage their daughters to come out with them? Well, I don't know. They could say something cool about like them catching their own food or something. Like it is pretty. Yep. You feel pretty proud of yourself when you get a fish and you know that you caught it and it's a nice picture for your Instagram page. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. All about the gram. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that's an awesome answer. Um, what is hunting and spearfishing to you? Uh, it's, to me, it's nearly, the at these days, it's nearly wholly and solely about putting the freshest most ethically caught food yep. on the table that I possibly can for my family. That's that's essentially what it comes down to. If if a disease went through and I couldn't take 
deer anymore and all the fish were diseased, I, I simply wouldn't do it because yeah. you're not putting food on the table. That's that's pretty much number one why I do it. I want, yeah. I want the food that's in my freezer to be taken ethically. I, don't, I want to know where it came from. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's that's where it is for me. That's that, That's yeah. great. What about you, Dakota? What is hunting and spearfishing to you? Um, well, I find it really fun. I think it's a great exercise and I think it's really good for anyone who has free time to get out into the water because the water's so good. It heals things and there's such beautiful things out there. Like there's so many things that no people have discovered and you, you're you in the water and you think, has anyone actually ever been to this spot? Like yeah. is this a spot where has someone actually been in this exact spot that I'm in? Like you don't know, but in the land people have been to most places because it's just busy now. Yeah, no, it, it's... You're 100% correct. I have the same feeling when I'm out hunting, you know, stepping into different spots and it's like I might have been the first person to step here in, you know, yeah. 100 years or 200 years, you know, and you know that the person that was there before you was doing the exact same thing. And then with the ocean only, how much of it's been discovered? Yeah. Bugger all, it's like 15 or 20%, something, something ridiculous, well, you know. You pick up like an antler yeah. or a rock or a cool shell and you think like, what was in this shell and yeah. where did it come from? Like, has it come from the other side of the world and the tide and the currents just bring it here? Speaking of which, have you guys ran into anything odd while you've been out? Like just, you know, floating debris or something that's come off a ship or... I don't know, the question just popped into my mind there. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd have to have a bit of a think. Um, yeah, you often you often do see a little interesting, you know, palm fronds or like just interesting stuff in the yeah. water that's not actually from the area that you're diving. And it's like, what's where, where did that come from? You know, Yeah, there was um, a couple guys on fishers I know from KI, they ran into a, that yacht that was floating around and then another one found a piece of a plane that washed up on a beach and yeah, yeah. they had to get the like some people didn't down from the government because they thought maybe it was a part of that MH370 and yeah, wow. you know, it was a few years after that that went down and yeah washed up on KI and they're like oh that's a that's a bit of fuselage that's yeah. <laughs> we should call someone we should probably report that one <laughs> yeah oh, I can't nothing nothing yeah. comes comes straight to my head of yeah but yeah, you can say something. Um, I can't remember where I was diving, but there was this thing on the ground, and it looked like a gravestone. Like it was oh, like, wow. it was like pointed up, and it was like that, and it had an arch at the top, and then it had this writing on it. And I dove down, but it was so like dirty with everything, yeah. and it looked so old that I couldn't read what it was. <laughs> but it would have been really cool to have read what it was. Like That's... it looked like a gravestone. It could have been, could have been. Wouldn't surprise me if someone's just like, "Yep, pushed it off." This is where dad dad belongs now. <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have found memorial memorial anchors and stuff like that. Um, that's cool. On favorite fishing reefs, yeah. Somebody that's died and they've they've put a anchor down with a plaque on it and stuff like that. So, you know, very, yeah, you do you do see a little bit of that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, cool. That's epic. But yeah, the, the the interesting thing is about about taking a bit further to taking the, the new people out that you know. You, when you when you're experienced an experienced diver or an experienced hunter it would work work both ways you you probably take for granted a lot of the stuff that you see and you, and you yeah hundred percent yeah I can remember the taking Yaz and Dakota out for a dive down the down the southeast and I was 
holy and solely going for craze and, and abalone. Like wanted to wanted to get my get my bag and yeah. And yeah, we, we, we swam out at a hundred meters or so and, and my partner was just obsessed with the bull kelp, like just the big leafy yeah. bull kelp growing up off the bottom and, and yeah, the stuff that you just take for granted when you're out there all the time, when you take somebody new and Gives you a whole yeah. new level of appreciation. Like, oh, actually, that is pretty cool, isn't it? Like, I'll just swim past it. Looking yes, for it looking sometimes for I'll, I'll do the same when I'm out hunting and then they'll say something. I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to just stop, slow down. And then I start pointing out, you know, like you got that um, invasive mistletoe that grows on a lot of the gum trees. And then I explain that to them and then, you know, bits and pieces, you know, yeah. oh, oh, there's a native cherry tree. Oh, look, it's got a got a bit of fruit on it. And yeah. Show that type of stuff as well. So, yeah. It's very, very rewarding taking taking people out, and they can often give you back just as much as you're giving them. Just yeah, just from there. well, it just makes you slow down and think about stuff, and then you're taking more stuff in, and often it leads to finding more more animals or something yeah. you miss because you were gunning for a spot where yeah. if you just slowed down and yeah. realized. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, if people enjoyed what they um heard today where can they find you on social medias where can they find golf skin divers and yep so golf skin divers is on facebook and instagram yep. basically just google golf skin or facebook instagram golf skin divers it, you should be able to find it yeah um, it's all one word golf skin divers um and yeah i'm i'm not real, real i won't i won't share my private socials <laughs> but um yeah it, i don't post that much no, on there anyway so that's understandable <laughs> um so if Guys are in guys and girls are in South Australia and they want to come down and check out golf skin divers. Um, contact you through the page and just watch out for one of your your yep. club events. Yep, so that's the best thing you can do is just just message the page and um and they'll they'll give you some details to, to become a member. It's pretty cheap to become a member. I think it's only twenty five bucks a year at the moment. Yep. So awesome. you know, it's a pretty pretty cheap membership fee and you get in touch with with you know a whole bunch of guys and girls and kids that are into diving and spearfishing in, in know their stuff yeah and learn the learn the right way to do it and come and come and mingle and we, we we have a we have a real good time so that's awesome we had a guy come up start at my work a couple months ago he's moved on to another project within the work but um yeah he'd moved over from Vic. He's like this is before i started chatting to liam he's like oh where can i go where can i go diving and where can i go spearing and i'm just like well i know you can't do metro this was before the announcement so yeah i'll i'll have to sing out to him and yep. get out he's he's just moved down south of the city there so yeah i think he'll be pretty interested in coming down and checking things out and yeah, i've been speaking to a couple of people lately they're like oh, i want to get into spearfishing or i want to get into this yeah so yeah no nah, awesome thank you guys very much for coming on um it was a great idea that you thought to bring Dakota down for it. It's uh, something different. Sorry, we couldn't get the... If the audio quality's been a bit funny on this episode, it's because we're running off a of one mic and we're just turning it back and forth for Dave and Dakota. Um, yeah, just got a bit time poor there to find another one. Um, but yeah, thank you both for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Thank you for having us. Uh, Thanks for having us. I, I love the it. passion. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Please find us on social media, Instagram at Hunting Connection Podcast, Facebook at Hunting Connection Podcast, and Twitter at Hunting Connect. Also, please subscribe on whatever podcast app you are listening on. Rate, review. Thank you very much for listening.